Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Look, we were attacked in the worst attack on Jewish people since the Holocaust. That's uh, that, that October 7th massacre was equivalent to 29 11s in one day. What would America's response be? I'd say it would be at least as strong as Israel's, and many Americans tell me we would have flattened them. We would have turned them into dust. Yeah, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, replying to the repeated requests uh, for a pullback, for maybe a ceasefire, and I know there have been some negotiations going on. What role has the... Uh, Biden administration played in all that. I wanted to get you a report on that from Israel this morning. Trey Yanks from Fox News, kind enough to give us some time this morning. And Trey, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, what What's the latest on this? I, I know the Biden administration has been uh, pushing, I believe the president said yesterday, for a six-week ceasefire. Our conversation is taking place at a very interesting time because as we speak, there are Egyptian negotiators, Qatari negotiators, an Israeli delegation, and CIA Director William Burns meeting all in Cairo, Egypt, to try to hammer out the deals that are on the table. And there are a number of varieties that we're looking at here, but the bottom line is that in the coming days, if not hours, there could be an agreement to temporarily pause the fighting inside Gaza, allow more humanitarian aid into the Strip, and the Israelis hope get some of the hostages freed as part of these agreements. Yeah. Now, part of that um, originally, wasn't there a deal that fell apart where 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 the the uh, uh, negotiators had tried to offer up a number of hostages in return for like a two month ceasefire? Exactly. Yeah. There was a deal on the table, and it would have included releasing a large majority of the hostages being held by Hamas inside Gaza in exchange at at least a three-to-one ratio for Palestinian prisoners, more aid entering the Strip, and a temporary pause in fighting. But some of the details within that agreement were not agreed upon by both sides. And so it was ushered back and forth by the Qataris and the Egyptians, but ultimately fell apart. We understand, according to our sources, this is the closest the region is to a ceasefire and has been 
since the last agreement that took place in November that saw so many of the hostages free. Wow. Now, I'm not a foreign relations expert, Trey, and, and I'm not trying to be flippant here, but if if the Palestinians had not taken the hostages to begin with, uh, they wouldn't have a bargaining chip right now, and Israel would be rolling over them, I imagine. I, do, I mean, do the Israelis really believe they're ever going to get all of these hostages back? They don't believe they're going to be able to get everyone back, and they know, according to the intelligence that we have reviewed, around 20 percent are likely dead already. And so, in part, they are negotiating for the bodies of people who were taken on October 7th during the massacre in southern Israel. The challenging part here is trying to get together a framework that works for both sides and that won't be violated. And the Israelis are using the leverage of a possible offensive into the southernmost city of Rafah to their advantage in all of this. They say they will enter Rafah and go after Hamas leadership and try to rescue the hostages if an agreement isn't put together. Now, this week, there was an interesting development, and that development had to do with a top-secret Israeli raid that took place in the middle of the night into Rafah, the heart of this last Hamas stronghold inside Gaza, to rescue two Israeli hostages, and it was successful. And basically, it said to the Israeli public that this is why the Israelis want to go deeper into Gaza and, and go after Hamas in these areas. The issue at hand, though, and, and why the Israelis are facing pressure from not only the Americans, but also countries like Egypt, is because all of the Palestinian civilians are sheltering in this area. More than half of Gaza's population is in this southernmost city. And so the battlefield is filled with civilians. And it, and it creates an incredibly complex uh, arena for the Israelis to operate yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think, Trey, one last question. We have a hard time on this side of the pond maybe visualizing how big Gaza was or, or what it looked like before all this started. But all of the, the civilian population that has opted to stay despite being warned to get out, I mean, it, it, any idea what percentage of the population is still there? So the vast majority of Gazans are still there unless they had a foreign passport or a, a special medical reason to leave and were able to coordinate with, uh, for example, the Emiratis or the Qataris, they, they couldn't leave. And so we are talking about nearly all of the Palestinians who were inside Gaza when the massacre took place on October 7th and the war erupted. They're still there today. And we've been talking with Palestinians inside the Strip, some who are trying to get out, others who are simply trying to shelter in place. But they've run out of places to go. Rafah was the last city before you reach the Egyptian border. Mm. And so it's why you have more than 1.2 million Palestinians sheltering there. It's also why Hamas leadership is in the tunnel system underneath Gaza in this location, understanding that the Israelis are limited in the types of operations they can conduct in this part of Gaza. Gaza is an area of land that's about 25 miles long, anywhere from three to four miles wide, depending on the point you're, you're operating in. And so Israel will continue to face pressure from the international community for operating. This raid that we discussed, according to the Hamas-run Palestinian Health Ministry, saw dozens of Palestinians killed during the mission to rescue these hostages. And so we're looking at a war that's erupting. It's an incredibly complex urban battle environment, and it is not expected to end in a matter of weeks, even if there is a temporary ceasefire agreement on the table, because Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says – 
They will continue to go after Hamas until the organization loses its, its ability to lead inside Gaza and is completely dismantled from a military capacity. Wow. Trey Yanks, listen, I, I do appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for that report. Thank you, Mark. Yes, sir. We'll talk again soon. Trey Yanks there from uh, Fox News uh, in, in Israel this morning. That, I mean, what what that little strip of land has in is has gone through, I won't say endured because they brought it upon themselves, what they've gone through the, the, since October 7th and the vast majority of the citizens there, while given an opportunity to flee, have opted to stay in place, knowing that their hospitals are are just cover for the terrorist cells that live in tunnels below them. And that ultimately the Israelis are going to go through whatever the blockades they have to and walls to get to those terrorists. I mean, at some point you 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 just look at that and shake your head and wonder how in the world they didn't just why didn't they just all flee to Mexico when they had the chance? Did I say Mexico? I mean, Egypt. They should have just all fled to Egypt when they had the chance. I, I don't know. And now you got the U.S. wanting to take uh, a bunches of them. What what a complete disaster. The, the, the United States needs to keep its nose out of that, uh, because if, if if it was our 9-11, we would not want a foreign country coming up. So, you know, I think you've bombed enough uh, tunnels in, in Afghanistan now. Uh, you need to back off. How would we have felt about that? That's exactly what they're going through uh, over in Israel. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Hey, uh, coming up, we're going to get to John Lamping here at the uh, bottom of the hour. You know, I mentioned yesterday there was some polling out from the Missouri Scout showing the CD1 race uh, and how that shapes up now that Maria Chappelle Nadal has has entered that race. John Lamping and uh, Maria Chappelle Nadal have an interesting uh, history, and uh, he's going to talk about that a little bit here at the bottom of the hour. Give us his thoughts on how that changes that race for Cori Bush's congressional seat or not at about 6.35. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. There were two weapons of hers recovered on the scene. An Anderson manufacturing AR-15, which was what she utilized to fire at the officers. There was a sticker on the buttstock of the rifle that stated Palestine. A sticker simply stated Palestine on the buttstock. That is the uh, police chief down there near Lakewood, uh, Texas, where the, the shooting happened near Houston in the in the inside of Joel Osteen's church. Osteen, Osteen. Am I mispronouncing that, Carl? I heard a reporter I yesterday call him Osteen. I thought it was Osteen. I did, too. I heard a reporter yesterday call him Osteen. I don't know. Whatever. That's where the shooting happened. So this complete nut job walks in the door uh, ready to open fire on the crowd. Now, apparently is of Hispanic origin from El Salvador, had attended this church. This was the Spanish-speaking version of the service, had attended this church before like years ago, at some point, they believe, uh, had a, what we're starting to find out now is this individual had a, a, a long history of, of problems, of mental problems, right? Um, and yet was able to get a gun. Now, hmm, how did that happen? Must be the gun's fault. It was a scary black rifle, uh, you know, AR-15 platform of some sort, we, we do know that. Um, <clears throat> but what we also know is that the this individual who is transgender. Now, this is why I said earlier, this story will disappear from the headlines today. Like today is the last day you'll hear anything about this story in Houston on the network news. They'll still cover it in Houston. <clears throat> But the network news has lost all interest in it, just like the shooting in Nashville, because it's, it's, it's why we you don't have a full report or the, the manifesto or any of that, because you have a, first of all, transgender person, which lead could very well lead to the diagnosis of mental illness, and they know this person had mental, mental uh, illness. But the, even the cops yesterday were trying to be just a little bit PC about this. Go to, go to cut 14, Carl. We do have reports. She used multiple aliases, including Jeffrey Escalante. So she has utilized both male and female names. But through all of our investigation to this point, talking with individuals, interviews, documents, Houston Police Department reports, she has been identified this entire time as female, she, her, and so uh, we are identifying her as Genesee Moreno, Hispanic female. Did did that dude, I'm sorry, did he just use her proper pronouns? Because I, I'm thinking he's going to get laughed out of town in the, in the police community if indeed he did. Uh, maybe he was just saying she's always been identified 
as she or her. But Jeffrey Escalante was clearly a transgender mental maniac who tried to go in and shoot up a church. She was a biological woman. She is a biological woman. Jeffrey is a biological woman who apparently gave birth to the seven-year-old child that she forced to walk into the church with her, walked into the door, lifted up the gun, and opened fire, at which point, quickly, two police officers who were working secondary as security there uh, returned fire with handguns. Now, facing a rifle with, with handguns, that takes a set of cojones. Can I just tell you that? They didn't shy away from that. They took out the shooter. They eliminated the threat. There were uh, three casualties. The shooter, uh, unfortunately, her child, who was wounded in the head and will probably not survive, uh, and and a, a man inside the church got shot in the leg. This could have been so much worse. And once again, we have a long, long history here of mental issues reminding you that it's not the inanimate object this idiot was carrying. We do have some facts that she was uh, put under an emergency detention order by Houston police officers, uh, we believe in 2016. Uh, we do believe that she does have a mental health history that is documented through us and through interviews with family members. Yeah, she's, she's trans. We understand that. Uh, the point is, how did she get the gun? And here we go again. Uh, I don't know what the what all the laws are there in Texas, but if the police had the information, why wasn't it in in the system somewhere so that when they did the background check, they could she went to a gun store apparently and bought this gun and wasn't stopped. So this information was not in the national instant criminal background check that everybody runs before they can get a gun. Why not? I'm a Second Amendment supporter, but that information needs to be put in there. As, lo as long as it's gone through a court, and we know that she's a mental case. I mean, the, the, again, everything about this story tells you one thing. Uh, she was not a white MAGA card-carrying individual. This story will disappear from the headlines uh, probably by today. I don't think you might hear something else about it tomorrow. Um if, if any more information comes out, but I kind of doubt it. They do not want that uh, to to change their argument about gun control. That's what's going to happen here. Coming up, we'll talk to Senator John Lamping. We'll be right back. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're someone who has had a lot of threats. Obviously, yes. you're a very high profile Black Lives Matter activist turned congresswoman. Talk about some of the sort of atmospherics around you. Yeah. So prior to me entering Congress, I had had you know, a lot of threats on my life. I had even had times where um, I was, there were actual, you know, attempts made. Um, And I went uh, to social media to talk about them because I didn't feel safe going anywhere else. So I would talk about what was happening to me on social media, even turned it into the FBI um, at one point, just making it documented that there are actual, you know, threats on my life. That's uh, Congresswoman Cori Bush explaining why her security is more important than your security. Anyway, she's running for re-election in CD1, and she's running against Wesley Bell and now Maria Chappelle Nadal, which is making that a very interesting race. We've got former Senator John Lamping on the phone this morning. John, how are you? Good morning, Mark. Nice to be with you. Yeah, good to have you on here. Uh, I, you know, when when Maria jumped into this race, I thought to myself, well, I mean, this could mean a couple things. Either, I mean, I would think the most obvious one is that if she's going to draw votes from anybody in a three-person race, she would draw votes from Cory Bush supporters and not the people more likely to vote for Wesley Bell. What's your take on it? You know her better than I do. Yeah, I've known Maria uh, for quite some time. I consider her like a personal friend. I have, uh, always got along great with her, and and uh, our politics are very different, but um, we had a very good friendship. She um, She's not afraid of a primary fight. She's uh, every every office. She was both in the Missouri House and the Missouri Senate, and she was never really the um, the chosen one in the Democratic Party. She has and she has, she has her own constituency, and she in office she works very very hard. It's always been her full time job, and she does things like you know she goes and reads to children in schools and visits um, you know old folks in old folks homes and um, and so what will happen is. I think Maria got – if she seriously was going to contend and win, I think she probably got in the race a little late. But she'll have her own voters. I think she'll have 10, 15, 20,000 voters that um, that could very well vote for Bush or vote for Bell that will vote for her instead. And um, and so I, I think what it signals to me, though, is that you know Bush is way behind and she needs to catch up, and now she's going to be fighting for votes with another person. So I think it just solidifies – the idea that you, you know, another six months, and you won't have Cory Bush to pick on anymore, Mark. Well, let's hope so. I mean, I am. I, I noticed Channel 4 had done a story on her campaign spending, how much she's spending on lawyers and this out of her out of her campaign funds. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the Maria Chappelle Nadal, I know you're friends with her. I mean, she she's most famous for the tweet calling for the assassination of Donald Trump. I mean, didn't the Senate have to like uh, what they slapped her and on the list for yeah. basically, right? No. No, she definitely has her moments uh, uh, where she goes in a direction that you know you and I would never go in. But but having said that, I mean she she does have a constituency. So it's not you know when I say ten, twenty, thirty thousand. That's certainly not enough to win, but that's a big chunk of votes that either of the other two candidates would rather have. And it, it's pretty clear to me that you know the um, that the Democratic powers that be are circling the, they're circling their uh, the wagons around Bell. It seems like he's got uh, just every indication that I think that he'll go forward. You know, but you know, you never can tell. You know, we've got another month or two, and, and filing starts. And I think I mentioned to you too. I was paying. You know, we kind of started. We you and I started to ignore, on some level, the lieutenant governor's race 
Bob Onder had declared for that race, and he would have been a heavy favorite. And and I think he's the heavy favorite now in uh, in Congressional District Three. But you know, I'm, I'm hearing all kinds of things about Lieutenant Governor's race. I think we uh, Holly Rader and Dean Plocker are the two declared candidates. But I think we're going to end up with five or six candidates, and I think two or three of them will be viable people. I uh, do you remember Mike Carter, Judge Mike Carter? I do. do that? Yeah, he ran yeah. a lot of ads here. <laughs> yeah, he. Oh, yeah, that's right. He ran for lieutenant governor, and then he ran for the state senate. He lost both times, and then I got a, um, I got like a, 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 phone, a survey phone call where he was. Uh, Mike Carter was asking about uh, the Department of Tourism, which the lieutenant governor plays a role in. So I, uh-huh. I it, it seems like he's probing, um, and I think Lincoln Huff down in Springfield because right now. Springfield's not in this race. Kansas City's not in this race yet. So I think Lincoln Huff will get in the race. And then I'm hearing uh, another St. Louis will get in the race. And so um, it, it's, it's interesting. We think we know what's going to happen. I think certainly we know who the gubernatorial candidates are. But in some of these other offices, once you get to, you know, four or five or six, then suddenly it doesn't take all that many votes to win. And, you know, like for example, in, in, um, in the race Marie Chappelle-Nadal's got is in now, if two or three other people got in, I think she could actually have a chance. And um, so it makes for interesting uh, interesting races to follow when you get so many candidates. Yeah, true. You know, in um, the, there's a story out of Jeff City this morning that Democrats yesterday blocked uh, this initiative petition reform debate. Um, I, I, I know that when I listen to Caleb Rowden and these other people in the Senate, they talk about the these are the rules and you got to follow the rules and we got ways of doing things and you can't ignore that. But my goodness, if it's something this important, can't you just PQ it and move it on to the house? I mean, what are they doing down there? Is Rowden now letting the Democrats carry his water for him? Well, this is, okay. it's easy to understand now why this is something that should have been done a long time ago and why it really should have been done at the end of last session and uh, the what what leadership knew would happen this calendar year was is just what happened last night, which is if I'm a Democrat, I'm gonna fill, I'm gonna make you PQ me as soon as possible, and then if you in fact do take that step, then um, I'm gonna slow down the rest the process for the rest of the year. It's not that hard to do. Uh, this is we we've had failed leadership not for two months. We've had failed leadership for the better part of. A decade down there, and um, and uh, you know, I, I think I've mentioned to you a couple of different times on your show that uh, I'm not optimistic. I mean, I, I'm maybe we get an IP reform bill on the ballot, but I'm not optimistic that we can get it to pass. It's one thing to actually get a bill on the ballot; it's another thing to organize a campaign around it. And what you you probably haven't heard anything about is who exactly is organizing the campaign to get the IP reform to pass. And we know. Uh, for certain that the people that will fight it, the realtors amongst many others, yes. are ready for that ballot initiative to get there. So it, it's not it's not a it's not good times for our side. I think, <sighs> you know, we, we're going to have to um, you know, figure out how we're going to fight the actual abortion amendment itself. John, I need I need a shot of whiskey after hearing that analysis. I mean, honestly, I it, I want to put my head through this wall over here. This is important. Get it done and. Get it on a ballot in June, maybe, and let the people vote on it. Uh, they're going to—that's where the the truth will come out. Right there is in that vote. Yeah, I, this is what happens when you don't make uh, <laughs> issues of your, you know, your base or of the people your number one priority. 
that uh, when you go down to Jeff City year after year and uh, you, you may give lip service to a few ideas that, that you and I think are important, but then when you actually look at the body of work, it all has to do with some kind of special interest or some project or funding some department or not. And, and, uh, and that's really who controls uh, Jeff City. It's interesting, I think, when we look at our, you know, our statewide uh, races, you know, Eigel is clearly running as someone who wants to break up uh, the status quo. It needs to be broken up. I think um, I think that Will Sharp in the eighth Attorney General's office he's positioning his campaign to not be of Jeff City, uh, but you know if you look at how Parson governs, how Keogh will govern, and uh, Bailey being an appoint appointee, uh, you know the, the Jeff City approach to Missouri politics is entrenched, and unless it unless something happens to break it up, I don't see how we're uh, we're not going to have the same kind of leadership going forward as we've had in the past, which has gotten us in a situation we're in, which. You know, right now is a very high probability that this time next year abortion is available on demand in in just in every corner of Missouri. Wow. Uh, well, boy, I hope not. But uh, we'll, we'll all say our prayers. Oh, on I'm that praying one. not. I'm oh, praying I not. And I'll work. I know. Work for it not to be. But it is. It is what it is. John Lamping, thanks as always, my friend. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Yep. Take, thank take you. Yep. Uh, for, former Missouri Senator John Lamping. That it's interesting. That. We just can't. I mean, we knew the Democrats would try this if it actually got to a point where they were about to vote on it. Just call previous question, pass it, and move it on to the House, please, so we can get this done. Oh, my goodness. Wow. All right. Coming up, we'll get to another news with Ethan. Uh, next hour, we're going to talk more about how the uh, the media has just been lying to you for years and years and years about Biden's mental fitness. Uh, fortunately, the Media Research Council has been keeping tabs on all that for you. I'm going to talk to Bill D'Agostino about 720. We'll be What's happening? So you know, the, you know the thing. What the hell is going on? In other news. It appears Mark Usher had one heck of a Sunday. He did the Super Bowl halftime show, and then apparently he ran out and got married. Right after, he married his girlfriend, uh, Jennifer Gogoitcha. He did it afterwards and not before? Afterwards. So he had time to shower because he was sweating quite a, quite a bit. <laughs> I would I hope so. And why was he sweating, Mark? Uh, because he had a huge bet on uh, Kansas City. And it was 10 to 3 at the time. <laughs> Um, yeah, it appears he went out and got married. They got married at the Vegas weddings just hours after the RB Superstar headline performance during wow. the Super Bowl halftime. So uh, I believe this is Usher's third marriage and it's Jennifer's first. So congratulations, Usher. So, so I assume that they have like prenups are us is right next door to the wedding chapel. I mean, there is no way. It is a Vegas wedding. It is a Vegas <laughs> wedding. He'd be pretty stupid if he didn't take care of that business first. And the day of Usher. Uh, playing the Super Bowl, they announced a second Usher show in St. Louis. Oh, imagine that. Nice. So he sold out the first one in October, and now there's a second one. I was, not a, I was not a fan. Sorry. <laughs> um, the Kansas City Chiefs' dramatic overtime win over the San Francisco 49ers was the most watched television event in history, according to preliminary television ratings that were released yesterday. Um, it looked like an estimated average... 123.4 million viewers on Sunday night. Wow. No, it's not finalized. Uh, the final Nielsen data should come out today. Um, and what I wonder, I wonder if they can figure out why, right? Because well. I mean, 
it, it, the Chiefs, while they're a good team and they're going for their second Super Bowl in a row, aren't in a huge media market, right? Right. San Francisco is a big media market, but people on the, the East country. Coast don't have a lot of interest in the Kansas City Chiefs, clearly. I, I just wonder what all contributed to that. I wonder if there's a Taylor factor there, you think? Well, how big was the Taylor Swift factor, mm, Mark? Uh, I don't know. There's a new data point on the Swift station of the NFL. 20% of 2004 Super Bowl viewers said they were rooting for the Chiefs because Kelsey's relationship with the global <laughs> superstar. 20%. 20%. Mm-hmm. Over, overall, 48% of viewers surveyed said they were cheering for the Chiefs compared to 37% of the 49ers. Or you could have been the 13% like me who didn't care who didn't won. Didn't care. Yeah, I wanted the Chiefs to win, but she didn't have anything to do with it. She had nothing to do with she that, but she had some viewers, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Oh, no, absolutely. And then they only showed her for a minute of the whole thing, right. like total. It seemed like more than that, but 55 seconds is what we've determined. Well, but you know what? If Travis Kelsey would have had a better game, yeah. she would have Yeah, been you would have seen her more because yeah. every time he caught the ball, they cut away to her. Well, Valentine's Day is tomorrow, and Americans are apparently looking to make 2024 the year of love. A new survey shows Valentine's Day spending on significant others is expected to hit a record this year. Overall, consumers plan to spend $25.8 billion on Valentine's Day this year, according to an annual survey released by the National Retail Federation and Prosper Insights and Analytics. Consumers will spend $185 each on average, nearly $8 more than the average Valentine's Day spent over the last five years. It's it's a Hallmark holiday, folks. Thank I you. mean, come on. I understand that somebody's pushing the fact that tomorrow is Singles Awareness Day. Cat. <laughs> Do you not know you're single? I mean, I think if you're single, you're aware of that. Some more than others. But you're... Some more than others, but your feelings are hurt because people pay so much attention to the Hallmark holiday. It's made up. It's also a religious holiday tomorrow, Mark. It's Ash Wednesday, the beginning of I, Lent. I, I know that, but we're talking about Valentine's That's Day. That's Mardi Gras today. Don't waste <laughs> 75 or $80 on flowers. They're going to die in a week anyway. At least get her a good steak. <laughs> I like what you hey, did. Thank you. It's yeah. already did. Mm-hmm. And what could be the largest valuation ever of a musician's musical asset? Sony Music Group has closed in on an agreement to buy half of Michael Jackson's publishing and record uh, recorded master catalog and a deal that sources say value the music assets somewhere above $1.2 billion, with a B, dollars. Other sources have suggested that it might be as high as $1.5 billion. And so it's only half? Half of it. How do you determine which half? Well, they're getting everything except the Broadway play and other theatrical production featuring Michael Jackson music. They will not get any money from that. MJ coming here in the spring. And they have to pay wow. $600 million just for their stake in it. Woo! Man. All That's right, coming up, well, we're going to talk to State Senator Bill Eigel in the 8 o'clock hour and more on uh, the media hiding Joe Biden coming up. Get more at 971talk.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.